Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Kellen, it feels good to be doing another episode of Breaking Down Collapse. I know we had just done one a couple of weeks ago for the look back on 2023, and, and we'll do those every year, but we're doing another one. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to do another one because we decided that we missed this content. We missed that. I mean, this is the roots. This is where we came from. This is where we started. And this is what we love. So we're not stopping building up resilience. We are continuing with that. But we are also going to alternate with episodes of Breaking Down Collapse because I think there's there's more. There's more to be done here. Yeah, we had covered all the basics like pretty well. But there's just so much more to dive into, uh, certain specifics, and also things that have been emerging that we need to talk about. I think for anyone who wants to be fully collapse aware, like this is a great place to have those conversations. And these are things that... Corey, you and I are already invested in, like we're already interested in, we're already learning about all this anyways. So to be able to continue to share some of the things that we're learning and seeing, hopefully provides value to others out there that are interested in these topics already. Absolutely. Although the wrap up episode, man, would have been a great finale. Yeah, it was the finale that wasn't. We'll have to save it for the next one. You can write a few more raps for the next one. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, I want it. Oh. I like your raps. Oh, good. Yeah, they get stuck in my head pretty often, actually. Oh, and, you know, happy to hear that. 
Is that how you qualify whether something is a good rap or not? If it gets stuck in your head? Well, I should say that the like the row, row, row your boat guy gets stuck in my head. Or like the brace for impact girl. Your ear lyrics don't don't ever get stuck there. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, just kidding. Okay. Um, today's topic, it's it's a hot topic in the world right now. And it there are so many things for me with Collapse that like I feel pretty confident about. As far as like a general idea, a general timeline, a general level of confidence of like how bad it may or may not get. There are still a lot of unknowns with a lot of things in collapse, but but for the most part, most things, I feel like I know what to expect, more or less. Basically, you can see a clear trajectory, right? Yeah. When you look at like resource depletion, you look at climate change, you look at all these different things, you can see that the data shows we're on this path and we're headed toward you know this destination. Right, and and we, of course there will be like black swan events and things will accelerate and we don't know, you know, is it linear or is it, is it more exponential? That type of question. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is there is one part of collapse that is a total wild card for me. It could result in absolutely nothing. It could result in the end of everything. Right. And we've had two episodes on this, on the topic of artificial intelligence um, and today we wanted to address the topic a little bit further. The the two episodes that we've done, the first one was, was more on the sort of already happening and in the near future going to happen sort of dystopia of AI regarding things like deep fakes and misinformation or disinformation and scams and security and privacy and those types of questions. The second episode had more to do with the, you know, artificial general intelligence or super intelligence and what it could mean if we hit a singularity and, and whether or not that was evil. And anyway, they were two starkly different ideas about AI. And in that same vein, there are two starkly different sort of camps of people in the way that they believe about AI, right? AI is either going to just be like lead us to this amazing utopia or it is going to be the death of us all. I don't happen to think that it requires a dichotomy. I don't think it has to be one or the other. There's a there's a large spectrum of what could happen with AI, but it is it is a wild card for me. I don't fully know what to say I expect. Yeah, so when we talk about a lot of those other subtopics of AI, like you mentioned, like singularity and what that could mean that like so much of that seems more hypothetical, but today we're diving into the, the subtopic of job loss related to AI. And this one isn't like hypothetical. It's not theoretical. This is something that's already happening and something that certainly will happen, like AI will have a major impact on jobs. It, like there, there will be some serious disruption and there already is, but the extent of that and what the implications and impact could be from that is, is where there's a little more nuance. And I think that's what we really want to discuss. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll get into a little later in the episode some of the questions around that because again with this dichotomy of either you're for or against AI, there are people who think that like this is going to be amazing and and it will create more jobs than it takes away, right? And there are other people who says like every single job will be eliminated and and where does the truth lie? We you know, there are questions, there's a lot there to cover. Um and so we'll get into that. Before we dive in, I think it might be good to address one question, and that is whether or not AI takes jobs, is that a bad thing? I was talking to someone recently about about jobs and about AI's potential to disrupt uh, to disrupt the job market. And this person said it's they found it interesting and thought that in the U.S. it would probably be worse than anywhere else, simply because people in the U.S. seem to identify or, or make their jobs part of their identification. They work to live, they live to work instead of working to live. And obviously that is not true of everyone, but, uh, and I don't know how that, she said that she felt that it was more this way in the U S than the rest of the world, that people put their identities into their work. Yeah. And, and their social status is highly dependent on their job. Yeah. And so, you know, she reflected on how would people cope with not having that purpose in their life anymore? There are people on one side of the spectrum that say, well, no, AI taking jobs is the best thing that could happen. It frees, if AI took all the jobs and there was a way for people to continue to like have their basic needs met, it would open up people to be able to do all the things they want to do instead of having to slave away at an eight to five, right. In an office or whatever it might be. And so I did want to just say, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it all and maybe ask you, Kellen, you know, I'm not saying we're not saying that like AI disrupting the job market would necessarily be a negative. This is more about just whether or not it will. And maybe some of the complications that will come from that. But I'm curious to hear Kellen, your thoughts on, on that idea uh, about whether or not it really is, a negative. Okay, so the, there's there's the one issue of will AI actually take a bunch of jobs, which is the purpose of the episode that we will get to. But what you're asking about is assuming AI does take a bunch of jobs and if people could still have their basic needs met without needing to work, which is a huge qualifier. <laughs> do I see that as a good thing or not? Right? That's your Yeah. My, it's, it's nuanced. <laughs> like, I think for some people it'd be good, for others it wouldn't. But if I were just to give a general answer, do I think that would be good for people? My answer is no. I think people have a very idealistic view of like, if I didn't have to work, here's how I'd spend my time. I think most people that have their needs met and don't have to work, usually you look at the way that they spend their time and it's not great. Valid. Yeah. I think uh, people, when they don't have something to keep them busy, um, as much as they'd like to think, oh, yeah, I'd go spend that on charity work or do all these great things, these ambitious things that would help the world become a better place, usually people end up actually doing terrible things. On, on, on the one end, it's just like lay around and watch shows all day and do a lot of nothing, right? And consume social media and 
and get really like tied up in like vanity and trying to, you know, like there's just, there's, there's that side of it that isn't necessarily malicious or harmful. It's just, you spend your time kind of wasting time. On the other end, you look at like a lot of the people who are born into very wealthy families and, you know, maybe don't feel a need to work. And so often the depression is so deep in those individuals. Uh, the drug use is so intense. Like I know I'm stereotyping and generalizing, right? But people uh, start to do really kind of bizarre things. And when they don't need to work, they get a little bit detached from re reality and maybe don't see other human beings as human beings and uh, start to do things that are harmful to other people. Like I, it's just a pattern that you see over and over again. I think of like the pandemic, right? And all of a sudden there was all this stay at home orders and, and a lot of people lost their jobs, highest unemployment in a long time. And of course that's the summer that we're getting not just like, I mean, protests are fine, right? But, but people were taking to the streets. They didn't, there was restlessness and that resulted in more conflict in the streets. It resulted in, there was, you know, riots, not just against like one group rioting against the police or the government, but groups, rival groups rioting against each other. I think what you're saying isn't that like, oh, in general, people are just lazy and they need a job to not like to not be lazy or to not like waste away. There are a lot of people who make great use of their time. But like there's this there's this idealization where you're like, man, if I didn't work, I would have so much time to help other people and, and, and do charity and all this different stuff. When in reality, the more likely is you probably become more of just a burden on society Again, not trying to generalize or, or speak for every person, but most people are not going to be motivated to go out and actively pursue good. Yes. And I I think there would certainly be people that would, that they'd go do great things with their time. I think there are a lot of people that want to work right now and aren't able to find a job and they... You know, they're, it's not like they're doing bad things with their time. I think there'd be as many different ways for people to spend their time as there are people that would be trying to spend their time. And I don't think, like, it's great to have a job just for the sake of being busy with something that's kind of meaningless. I think what a job does for a lot of people is it provides structure in their life in a way that kind of forces them to try to be productive with their time. If people could find a way to still have the structure in place to get themselves up and doing good things, I think that'd be great. And maybe we'd find ways to do that. Anyways, we could, we could talk about all the ins and outs of it. I don't think we want to go too, too deep on that. My just general opinion is if all of a sudden the majority of the population didn't have to work, would that result in all so like a net positive. I don't think so. Yeah. I appreciate your opinion. I, I think the reason I ask is just, I had seen a, a discussion where people were talking about sort of this idea that, that always gets brought up with UBI that like 
well, what are people going to do all day? They're not going to have anything to do. They're going to be bored with their time. And then other people say, well, no, like with their time, they should, they should just be out like helping other people and, and like any, any fulfillment that someone might get from work, which they're saying a lot of people don't get fulfillment from work. They might be able to actually get fulfillment by serving other people, which I totally agree with. Like if you are serving other people, you are likely getting fulfillment from that. And we could potentially, we could have the potential to live much more fulfilling lives by being able to spend our time more creatively, um, you know, on hobbies, helping other people, that type of thing. But somebody else said, well, I don't think we should do UBI. I think that it's by the way, you've mentioned UBI, universal basic income. Most people probably know that, but I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing it up. So yeah, universal basic income, which is the idea that if if there's mass job loss due to AI, the government should tax the corporations that are making way more money now because they've laid off all their employees and are saving money through AI usage. Those taxes would then be um, doled back out to the general public so that people could pay their basic, you know, for rent and food and, and basic needs. But basically they were saying, I don't think that the taxes should be used for UBI. The taxes should be used to create more fulfilling jobs. They were basically saying like, if right now you have, um, you know, one nurse for every 10 patients, or every 15 patients or whatever it is, I don't know, I'm not in the field, but like there should be one nurse for every single patient. Like, like there should be three teachers in every classroom, right? It should be one teacher for every three kids or five kids instead of one teacher for every 30 kids. We can pay people to go do things, the, f the fulfilling jobs that are needed to make society better. Right now we're stretched so thin in so many places because it's just the way it has to be. But if AI is taking all the menial stuff, then we can be using humans to do the stuff that fulfills them and makes the world a better place. I thought it was an interesting take. It's not the main part of this conversation. We could have an entire episode on the ramifications of job loss from AI. That was just to kind of get my brain spinning and maybe the listener's brain spinning on what it would actually mean to lose jobs due to AI. What would it mean to you as a person to, to think about that? But anyway, I digress. Let's move on from there. Kellen, you mentioned that it's already happening. Jobs are already being lost due to AI. You said it's not a matter of if, like it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how impactful it is. Explain, I guess, a little more what you mean by that as far as it's already happening. Yeah, to answer that, let me read from one article that was published a month ago from the time that we're recording this. It says, according to a recent report of 750 business leaders using AI from Resume Builder, 37% say the technology replaced workers in 2023. Meanwhile, 44% report that there will be layoffs in 2024, resulting from AI efficiency. So from those, you know, these businesses that are using AI, they've said technology is already replacing workers. Like that already happened in 2023. It's going to happen more in 2024. You combine that with some of the projections that are out there. For example, this made a big splash, right? There, there was a recent Goldman Sachs study that generative AI tools could impact 300 million full-time jobs worldwide. Another, you know, projection McKinsey estimated that 30% 
of hours worked in the U.S. would be automated by 2030, which, by the way, we're not that far from 2030. Yeah, no, I hear that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's forever away. No, that's like six years. <laughs> yeah, 30% of all hours worked could be automated. So those are some of the, the big projections. You'll find people, you know, uh, different sources that will will say the opposite. It's all over the board right now. Again, going back to the statement you made that it's a wild card. Yet, like I said, it is already happening. There are businesses that are already using AI and they're saying that it is causing them to reduce their workforce. Yeah, I mean, that number you gave, 37% of business leaders said they laid someone off in 2023 due to AI. Of business leaders using AI. 37% of business leaders using AI said they laid someone off because of it or Correct. due to it. Okay. And that 44% said they were going to next year. Yes. So the, the number's increasing and will likely continue to do so. Next year, meaning this year, 2024. That's right. Yes. The survey was done in 2023, <laughs> about 2024. Yep. I had seen some, it's really hard. There's not a lot of information out there you know, to say how many jobs have been lost due to AI numbers wise. Um, there were uh, one report in May of 2023 said 4,000 jobs had been lost in the U.S. due to AI that month. IBM announced that it plans on replacing 7,800 jobs at least due to AI over the next five years. There have been several other tech companies who have said similar things, right? There is immediate plans to start laying workers off due to AI. So we're talking right now about jobs in the thousands, um, you know, on a monthly basis, maybe getting into the tens of thousands on a monthly basis with all these projections for millions of jobs. None of the studies are really tied to any specific time frames. You know, like you said, it's all kind of all over the place and there's no real data saying this is exactly how many jobs are going to be lost due to AI. And of course there are, good reasons for that. AI has grown exponentially just over the last year and a half, looking specifically at LLMs and generative AI, it has just grown at an immense rate, right? I remember a year and a half ago, um, just a little bit before you and I actually did our stuff on AI, our first two episodes, ChatGPT was coming out, right? And then there were things, you know, the um, mid journey and the image generation and it was like you could type in an image to have it generate and the face, like if it was a person, the face would be like super distorted and, and you could kind of tell it was a person, but it looked like something that came out of a horror movie, you know. And there, there there's these, uh, you know, the cool like someone saying, hey, I used the same prompt um, for each generation of mid journey and here's how they showed out and it just shows the progression. And it is wild to see that progression right? To see what it started at to what it is now. If you are an average person who doesn't know what you're looking for, there are images that you just may have no idea were generated by AI. They're coming out with more and better sort of video technology, getting closer to sort of being able to maybe like animate a little bit, you know, videos and things like that. That's just on the generative side. There are all sorts of amazing technologies that are emerging that AI is able to accomplish. But we are still at just the very beginning phase of it all, right? And I want, I want to jump in and make a comment about that because 
when I talk to people who are of the mindset that AI isn't something to worry about in, in, in terms of job loss, usually those are people that do not know much about AI. They haven't seen or experienced much of it. Like you said, you go look at what, you know, mid-journey can produce now. You cannot tell the difference between an actual photo. Maybe if you're a little more practiced at it, you know exactly what to look for. You can, you might be able to tell, but you might not. It has become that good. You look at the kind of content that can be created when you give the right types of prompts on chat GPT and it's astounding. It can, it can do it so much faster and often so much better than a person can. You look at voice cloning and, and what that can do. And you cannot tell that it's not an actual person. Um, you know, it's getting to the point where even video, uh, in, in some instances, it might be an individual, like a newscaster that's talking to you and you can't tell that it's not an actual person. There are still some subtle tells, but like you said, most of that distance has been traveled in just like 18 months and it is getting better and better by the day. And so for anyone to think it's not going to be disruptive to jobs, usually it's because they haven't seen just how impressive it is getting and how fast it is accelerating. Yeah. A lot of the arguments against, and, and again, like I, a lot of what I read, so little seeds of doubt in my mind, like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe it won't take jobs, right? Maybe it, it's not, AI isn't going to get there or whatever. But for the most part, I'm looking at these arguments and, and they just are bothering me. I'm like, why? Basically, it's something like this. Someone's saying, AI will never replace diagnostics um, in a medical setting because we interviewed three doctors who told us that ChatGPT was like dangerously inaccurate in some of its inside of in some of its diagnoses and they gave some examples and and some of it they were saying well yeah it gets it pretty right and it does a really good job when you present as a patient with very like straightforward symptoms but in real life like a doctor would know to ask these different questions and and they were giving like all these little qualifiers and i'm like you're talking to chat gpt like now to tell me that in five years they won't have been able to create an LLM or taking it even further beyond an LLM to create something specific in the field of diagnostics that could do it better than you. And I've already seen some articles saying that, that these tools are being more accurate than doctors. It's this idea that like, People are stuck with how LLMs are right now or how the AI is right now saying it can't take a job because look at it. It's not good enough. And no one is saying that it is good enough right now to take jobs. But with how fast it has grown and with how fast it is growing and will likely continue to grow, it just seems disingenuous to try and discard it. Obviously, so there, there is a long ways to go in many of these professions for it to be able to, to do a better job. But uh, we're, we'll talk more about this in a minute, but it's like, if there is a dollar to be made, if there's money to be made in replacing labor, someone's working on it. Or in many cases, hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people are working on it. 
and likely those breakthroughs will continue to come. Yeah, and I think, you know, there might be 1,500 companies out there that are trying to create an AI doctor. And most of those probably won't be successful. They, they won't turn out that great, but there will be a few that will emerge that will be able to do it probably better than a doctor could. And you don't have to train somebody for eight years in medical school and you don't have to pay them these huge wages. You've got a machine that can be uh, replicated, right? Duplicated and at, at scale and, and, and do the job better than a human probably could. Like what kind of a, a, a hospital, for example, would not invest in that. So I think we'll talk about more of this later. But the more you dive in to what is happening with AI and just how much the advancements there are accelerating, it is it becomes more and more difficult to find any job that AI probably wouldn't be able to do better than a person. Uh, but we'll, we'll discuss some of that in more detail. But first, let's talk about perhaps some of the most common things that people say when they say it's not anything to worry about. So I'll just list a few and then we can dive into more detail there. One of them is people say, well, yes, AI will take away a lot of jobs, but it's also going to provide a lot of jobs. Um, and I think there are some things that we, we need to discuss on that one. Another one is that people will say AI is just going to help people become more productive at their jobs and spend more of their time creating value and it's not going to wipe away any jobs. You, there's just going to be all these jobs where people can use AI as a co-pilot to be that much better at their job. So those are the two biggest things that I hear most frequently. I think it's worth starting with the first one. Yeah. So this idea that AI is, is going to replace jobs, but it's also going to add jobs. And I've seen some articles or research or whatever claiming that AI will add more jobs than it takes away. So the first thing that I think uh, I would mention here is that I do think there will be a lot of jobs added in the AI sphere, right? If AI does explode, there's going to need to be people who can continue to create that AI, help manage it, um, build it. You hear about things like prompt engineers and and that type of idea. I do think there will be a lot of added jobs around that type of thing. Will it be one-to-one -one or more than one-to-one? -one? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, and number two, it would take a massive reskilling effort, right, to move people away from the types of work that they are trained in, that they have degrees in, that they've been doing for their entire career into an AI type role. And I think it's rather simplistic to just say, oh yeah, AI will remove jobs here, but it will add jobs there. And so everything's the same. It doesn't help the people who lost their jobs who are incapable of doing the AI required jobs, right? Like those people are still without work and that is still a massive problem. I think what it's going to do is it's going to create a larger schism, larger chasm. <laughs> I don't know the word there I'm trying to use between like highly skilled or, or workers who are highly skilled specifically in like 
IT and technology and that type of thing versus workers who have different skill sets that just aren't built for it. And that's not something that we can just like dismiss this concern of AI job loss by just saying, oh, it's just going to create more jobs. So we're all good. Yeah. I think of something like what's, let's say you've got, uh, you know, a large group of people, their job is, is they're in copywriting that that's what they do and you've got a whole range there some people have done it for a few years some people have done it for decades but of that big group of people that their career is to write copy maybe like 10 percent of that is kept around as the people that you use ai to generate content and then they're the ones that kind of review it or revise it before it actually gets published. Okay, so 10, 10% of those people keep their job as a copywriter. Well, what do the other 90% do? You, you may have a good portion of those copywriters that are like advanced in their career and they've done de this for decades. Maybe they're a little bit older. Uh, there's going to be varying degrees of like technical ability. So for them to go find a, a AI related job that's very technical and to be able to go train for that, there's going to be like quite a cost associated with that. that They might not be able to afford. Um, they might not even be able to acquire those skills, even if they have the time and the money to be able to go get the training or like, are they then going to be able to go find some blue collar trade jobs and get all the training and equipment and everything there? It, it just doesn't seem like you said, it's, it's, you can't just take people, pick them up from this seat and go put them down in this seat and expect that they'll be able to make that transition. Okay. Yeah. Like, Oh, you're a, you're a paralegal, which is one of the jobs I see most frequently being brought up is going away. Um, that was yesterday. Congratulations tomorrow. Like you're now going to be helping out with like the advanced robotics, uh, AI for this new machine we're building to do whatever, right? Like it, you, you just simply can't say that if, if there's going to be a huge increase in need for like robotics engineers, then th those people will have to go through all the schooling necessary. Those are the kids who are in school today who are looking ahead and saying, Hey, I can see that there's going to be a need for robotics engineering. So I'm going to go into that. But the poor paralegal who spent the last however many years you know, passing the bar or whatever, trying, you know, going to school for that suddenly to tell them your job is gone, find something else to do now. Yeah. You're already like deep into debt from law school. And now hey, go back to school and figure out how to get a degree in robotics right. engineering. Yeah. I, and then the other argument there that you brought up is this whole idea of people saying, well, there will be so much need for AI jobs of these companies building AI. And if, if any industry is going to use AI, it's going to be those that are trying to build it already. When you talk about like a prompt engineer, people are like, yeah, that's going to be, there's going to be this need for there to be these engineer prompt engineers, but already AI, there are tools being developed for AI to self prompt. In, and and to eliminate a lot of the human need for that. 
and like all of the backend developers and engineers building the tool, well, AI is getting better and better at writing code and being able to do a lot of those technical jobs. And so I also don't think that we can just say, yeah, well, now that there's all this need for AI and this demand for it, there will just be a plethora of jobs in AI. Certainly there will be more because it's a growing industry, but is that going to replace all the jobs that are being swept away? I think that's a little too optimistic. So moving on uh, from there to your second point, and I think this is the this is the big one for me. As big as like, yeah, AI will create more jobs, even more I hear this, which is don't worry about jobs. AI isn't going to just replace jobs. It's going to augment people's ability to do their jobs. It's going to make them more productive. If a person could create one widget a day before with AI, they're going to be able to create four widgets a day now. They're saying basically that productivity and efficiency is going to increase, um, which means we're going to have a higher GDP. I think I saw one estimate that said the GDP growth was going to be uh, 7% over the next decade or two, something like that. And, and there are a few points here that, that like a part of me says, yeah, we will become more productive. And, and, And I can already see that happening. People are using AI at work and it's helping them to get more done. And I think there is a certain degree, a degree to which that is true. But to act like, oh, you're just going to become 400% more productive at your job or 60% more productive or even just 30% more productive, but no jobs will be lost. The math just doesn't math for me there. Right. I think there are some assumptions being made and also some things that aren't being considered when people say that. For example, hey, AI can now help you go from making X number of widgets to six times that many widgets. Well, Does the market call for six times as many widgets? Is there enough demand right there, you know, on the consumer side to justify that you would still have as many people and create that much more, you know, be that much more productive and that that there's actually a market need for that? That's the part that I think people oftentimes overlook. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And then, on the other side, like... If you're a business, let's say you're like a mid-sized business and you're hiring projections, it looks like you're going to need to hire 100 people over the next year. Well, like usually a company's payroll is their biggest cost. And so 
maybe they won't grab AI and suddenly lay off a bunch of people, but maybe instead they uh, start using AI and they don't, they now only have to hire 50 people instead of a hundred. So you wouldn't technically say AI is taking away jobs because there aren't layoffs, but it just reduces the need for headcount in proportion to the output of the company. Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring that up, Kellen. So we recently had a work thing uh, where they talked to us about the future of the company and, and the products in the company. And one of those was they talked about AI and how it's going to be used. And, you know, you and I are in a sales capacity and the person giving the presentation from the company was super excited to talk about AI and everything it was going to do and how it was going to help our clients and, and all the exciting stuff that was coming. And it is exciting. It's fun to hear about. But uh, there was one, there was one point in the conversation in which he said something like, and it's going to be great because it's going to allow our clients to basically sell themselves on the product. Like there's going to be less work that's going to have to be done. More self-service purchase options instead of having to work with a sales rep in order to buy. Yes. And as he was basically saying that sentence, he paused and went, oh, maybe this isn't the right group to be saying that to. <laughs> and there was a, a quite a murmur, you know, that goes through the crowd as people are realizing like, whoa, that he's just saying right now that that basically like AI is going to take away some of our work. And he clarified and and. And I think the reason I bring that up um, is because there's been uh, some interesting conversation on this very topic about productivity increases. Basically, what they said was the idea is it takes the the easiest stuff that can be handled, um, which usually means, you know, for a sales rep, like the cheapest stuff. And, and then it gives more to you to, to do for the more difficult tasks that require a human touch and, and will allow for you to make more money that way. I've also heard uh, this idea that, and I, I believe it was even the CEO that said this, the idea is we're able to keep everybody that's in the organization now. It just means we won't have to hire as much in the future, which is what you had just basically said. So it's this idea that, yeah, we're not, we're not going to lay anybody off due to AI, but we can do more with the employees that we already have. If we have, uh, I don't know, a thousand employees right now, we don't have to grow to 3000 employees over the next couple of decades. We can keep only 1000 employees and still grow with what we have and use AI to fill in the rest. And on the one hand, okay, that's great. I can feel a little more secure about my job. I love that from me, right? 4 million college students graduate each year in the U S. And so if suddenly our company isn't hiring, and other companies aren't hiring. They're keeping the talent that they have. Um, where? What are all these grad students doing? Are all these grad? Are all these graduates? Where are they going? Uh, the ones who are lucky enough to have studied something that will help them with AI, right? They might be in great shape. Or if they studied something that isn't being replaced by by AI. But what about all of those students who are getting a general business degree, planned on going into sales, whatever that is? And then uh, that's just college grads what about all the, the people who didn't go to college but are looking for jobs and and people who are getting uh who are getting laid off or who leave one job and try to go another but that company's not hiring it's not just about mass layoffs that happen all at once it's about the fact that 
not enough new jobs are being created for the people who have skills or specialties in a certain area. One thing that I keep hearing is people saying like, well, there have been new technologies throughout history, right? Like when we, like the industrial revolution didn't put everyone out of work. And when they put robots in car factories, like that didn't put everybody out of work. Like every time a new technology comes around, the internet, computers, whatever it is, everybody freaks out and says that everyone's going to lose their jobs, but it never actually happens. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I just don't think this is comparable at all. When I look at something like computers, that is a tool. And, um, you know, in many cases, people are seeing AI as just a tool. But I think, again, going back to just how advanced it's becoming, it, it becomes more than just a tool. For example, this kind of dives into one other, you know, argument that I hear, which is, there's, you know, people always want to have a human touch. Well, yes, current state. Absolutely. Like you go onto a company's website and there's a little chat bot that pops up, you know, a little support bot that says, how can I help you? And you try to type a question and it can't understand what you're saying. And you're like, I just want to talk to a real person. That is current state. But some, some of the AI developments that are happening are resulting in something that you cannot distinguish. You cannot even tell that you're not talking to a real person. And so far, that's usually, you know, via written communication. Uh, but it's getting to the point, like I talked about voice cloning and these different things, where via audio on a phone call, you can't tell that you're not talking to a real person. You might be able to tell right now because there's a little bit of a lag. When you say something, you have to wait for a couple of seconds before AI responds to you. But they're cutting that lag time down shorter and shorter. Um, even when it comes to like having a video chat with somebody, again, it's getting to the point where you might not even be able to tell. So to say, I like, we're always going to want to have a human touch, even for somebody who says they prefer a human touch, they might not be able to tell that that's not what they're getting. Then to add to that, when you talk to a human, a support rep, for example, they like will make mistakes. They might not know the answers and you might give you the wrong information or you might have to wait for a long time while they go try and figure it out. But when you can upload all of the accurate information into an AI system, you're actually going to have a better experience interacting with that AI than you would a real person. So there are these things in the, in the past that people try to compare it to and they say, oh, it's just going to be like these other technological advancements. Well, those were a tool that a person used in their job. But in so many cases with AI, it's, a, it's, it's apples and oranges because this is something that would actually do what the human is doing, but perhaps do it for much cheaper and do it an actual better job at it. And one thing that I don't think at all is fair to compare when you say like, the industrial revolution is one that I hear all the time because it was just, it, it impacted such a large percentage of jobs. I don't remember the numbers, you know, some huge percentage of people worked in agriculture, um, prior to the industrial revolution. And then that led to people being able to specialize, get away from, from agriculture, work in other areas and, and machinery 
to do much more. The Industrial Revolution lasted like 80 years. We're talking an entire lifespan, right? Um, not just multiple generations. So, I mean, you could replace 100% of jobs over that long of a period of time and not have it necessarily impact individuals and society in a negative way. Um, we're talking about impacting whatever percentage of, do of jobs that AI may impact over the course of, you know, what will it be? A span of a decade? A couple decades, maybe? Uh, depending on how rapid it is, it could be less, you know, five years. I don't know. And in today's society, not in the society of that long ago, you know, 200 years ago, this is a society today in which we have to feed 8 billion people with super delicate economies that are propped up and, and faked and that require continued growth and spending by everyone involved. Like it's just such a fragile system to just suddenly upend 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 or 80% of jobs um, and expect that, you know, like they say, oh, like, it's fine. We've been through this before, so we can do it again. And AI will create new jobs and like everything will be peachy. I just can't picture it being that simple. Yeah. So the way that you and I, Corey, are talking about it, somebody listening so far might think, oh, these guys think that AI is just going to obliterate the job economy and, and all of a sudden everyone's going to be out of work. That's not my opinion. Do I think it's going to be very disruptive? Yes. But I actually think it's going to take a good amount of time. And so I think it'd be worth just for a moment diving into some of the reasons why we probably won't see, you know, from one day to the next, a ton of jobs lost. This is the part that like, when we say we don't know, right? We, you and I can't claim, nobody can claim to really know what's going to happen. I think what you and I are saying is just that the, the arguments for people who say that they know it's not going to get bad, I just can't agree with those arguments based on what we know at this point, right? It's not to say that I know the opposite's going to happen, that I know it is going to come and decimate jobs and it's going to happen rapidly. Like, we don't know that, but we also just cannot say, no, there's no way that will happen and promise that everything is going to be just fine with it all. Right. Like we've, we've seen cases where people are freaking out about like, like Y2K that that was just going to throw the whole world in a tailspin and it resulted in nothing. Uh, even just a handful of years ago, everyone, you know, there are all these people saying like cryptocurrency, man, in the next couple of years, everything's going to be different as we know it. Have have things changed a bit? Yeah, but like for the most part, things have stayed the same. Um, so I I do think some people overestimate AI, some people underestimate it. It lands somewhere in the middle. I think you've made a good point of that. Um, but when it comes to those that say it is, it's just going to change everything in the next few years, there are a few reasons why I don't think that's the case. One of them is that for a company to use AI for their business, oftentimes that requires to have a really good like structure and plan around your company's data. And most companies, at least current state, their data is just a mess. Like they haven't built the infrastructure, like, uh, you know, kind of on the back end, they haven't organized things well enough. 
that they could come plug in AI and have it work effectively. So it will take time just for people to even get their ducks in a row in a way that they could use AI so that it would, you know, dramatically change how their business runs. Yeah, that's no small task for, you know, maybe for a small company or something, that's no big deal. But for some of these just massive companies with just outrageous infrastructure, you know, there's there can be a lot, especially if we're talking about very specific AIs that require data to be organized in a certain way, for example, um, policies internal for companies around AI and how to um, make sure that it's only accessing the data that it should and and that it's not, you know, hallucinating and all these things. Yes, there is a lot of work still to be done to make to make it so that the infrastructure is in place and these companies can trust the AI to do the job it's supposed to do. Well said. So that that's just going to take time. It'll be a gradual process. Another thing is just around the legality of it. And and we don't know what kind of regulations will come about. And typically those kind of things take a long time. Uh, so for example, like are there likely going to be AI tools soon that could replace a paralegal? Sure. Um, but will that be allowed? Right. And, and the way that AI is able to use data, you know, if, if you replace a customer service rep with an AI agent, but it does say something inaccurate, all of a sudden, you know, how much liability falls back on the company. There are so many things that need to be sorted out with what is allowed and what's not. And right now with most AI stuff, it's just gray area. So in order for it to even be implemented, most companies are going to want to wait till they have the green light legally. And that's just one of those things, again, that's going to take time. Yeah. And I mean, the the pace at which things are moving and typically do move in a highly bureaucratic system, I wouldn't expect any well thought out or permanent legislation. And, and the hard part is that AI is growing faster than the legislation could even keep up with. By the time they do come out with, with uh, regulations or whatever, they'll already be obsolete likely because the new wave of AI doesn't pertain to those rules or regulations anymore, right? Or whatever the case may be. Now, there are instances already, um, there are countries who ban ChatGPT, right? There are companies that have forbidden its use, at least up to this point, um, for security and privacy reasons. There are now lots of pending lawsuits, you know, against chat GPT and, and other LLMs in regards to how they're getting their data and where they're getting their data from and copyright issues. And, it, you know, we'll have to see how those lawsuits shake out because that's going to set precedent for lawsuits in the future. And it is just wild, wild west right now with AI and LLMs. It happens so fast. Um, our legal system is just not equipped to move quickly to respond to these things. I know there have been and there will continue to be many companies who just take a chance, right? And it will hurt 
and maybe a, a damaging lesson in not using AI if they get burned, right? If a company's using AI right now and they terminate a bunch of employees and then the regulation comes out that says companies can't use specific LLMs or AI in this way or whatever, and they have to backtrack and they've spent all this money in research and infrastructure for AI, you know, there's just, there's just no telling. And in my opinion, um, again, not knowing enough about this to really even be able to give one, but I'm going to anyway, cause it's my podcast and I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think regulation is going to be extremely weak for a long time. As in, I don't think the government will feel number one, capable to give proper regulation. And so it won't. Um, and number two, I think there's just too much money in it. I think there will be a lot of lobbying behind the scenes. I think there will be, I, I think the powers that be do not want to see AI not happen because of the potential that it has to consolidate more power in the hands of the fewer, in the hands of the wealthy. It just seems too powerful of a tool to just, to just turn away and say, and regulate the crap out of it. So I don't see that happening. I don't see the lawsuits going in favor of the plaintiffs and, you know, the, the people who are suing that they're and probably rightfully suing that their data is being mined inappropriately or, you know, artists who are suing that their work is being used by LLMs. They probably should win, but I don't have the faith or hope that, that they will in the end. Yeah. It's, it's one of the biggest factors here is the way that things are regulated, the laws around it. And I think, like you said, it's just going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Another factor here that will play a big part in this is the advancements in computing and in data storage. So AI takes, it requires a lot of data and a lot of computing power, a lot of number crunching. So as we get more uh, efficient at storing data, um, that will help reduce the cost. And as we get more efficient at our, our computing power, if it doesn't take quite so much energy to compute as much data, then uh, that's going to help us you know, bring down the cost of AI as well. But as it stands right now, AI like isn't cheap. It requires a lot of energy. And so is it cheaper than a human? <laughs> yeah, in most cases. Uh, but in terms of how much it's able to come in and replace and disrupt, a lot of that will depend on how quickly we can, you know, how much we continue to advance in uh, the way that we are able to process and store data. Yeah, I like that you brought up cost in two different ways there. One is the monetary cost. Is it cheaper to employ AI than it is an employee? I think that will probably rapidly change as it has been rapidly changing. When you consider, like you mentioned, the labor costs, a lot of people think that, oh, I make $20 an hour, and so that's what the business, that's what my cost is to the company, but that's not true at all, right? There's so much more that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to workers' comp and taxes and, and benefits and everything that goes into it. Um, you're, you're probably costing the company a lot more than just your wage. And with payroll being such a massive expense, if most companies put that much money 
into development of AI, at some point in the future, for most, it will likely be a, a profitable. The one where it really is interesting to me is the other one you mentioned, which is the energy cost. A lot of people will say AI is never going to make big strides. It's never going to, you know, we're never going to hit AGI, maybe not because not because we don't have the technology for it or the, or the ability to to make it happen other than we just don't have the energy like it it there's it's too much energy which makes it too expensive and is also too like it's too harmful to the planet with all the energy expenditure there's just no way that we can expend all the energy needed to be able to roll out AI in a way that's going to affect all these jobs so that one is uh, that one is interesting. We we will definitely have to see, I think, um, big improvements in energy efficiency when it comes to processing data. Great. So the last one I'll mention is just adoption, and and that kind of goes hand in hand with trust. How much people trust AI? So I think about the fact that like the internet has completely changed everything. But even after the internet was very functional in, in the ways that we know it today, um, there were still many businesses that were, weren't like bought into it. They just wanted to keep doing things the old way. It takes time for people to adapt and to adopt. And, you know, just with any emerging technology, there's, what is it? You know, the 15% of people that are early adopters that will jump right on it. They're excited to try it out. Um, there, you know, there might be on the tail end, 15% of people that are very hesitant and will wait a long time before they adopt it. But then there's, there's, you know, that other 70% of people that just kind of wait to see what everyone else does. So it might be that very soon we have these tools that could absolutely transform the way that we operate as a society, as a society or, you know, as businesses operate, but people are going to be kind of slow on the uptake. They just want to see and wait to, you know, they want, they want to see how it all shakes out. Okay. So we've talked about that. It will be very disruptive. At least we think, right. For a lot of the reasons that we've described, will it take time? Absolutely. For these other reasons that we've gone into just quickly, Corey, I think it'd be worth mentioning here are the jobs that um, are anticipated to be most impacted by AI. Yeah. So one of the ones that I had already mentioned was paralegal. Um, I, I looked at a few different websites and, and articles that talked about which jobs are most at risk. And that one came up several times. Another one I saw come up frequently was coding. Um, a lot of like high-end developers, they don't think it's really going to affect, but for like entry level coding positions, it could wipe out a lot of that just because it's already to a point where it can do a lot of really simple coding. Um, and that is likely going to continue to advance pretty rapidly. Yeah. And a lot of tech jobs in general, like I know out there there's different titles, there's some distinguishment between coders and programmers, software engineers, data analysts. Um, but there, but there's a lot in that, realm that could be replaced yep absolutely and even just branching off from there um it tech was one where it talked about like help desk type jobs um for internal infrastructure could also be highly affected 
administrative jobs. So if you're doing a lot of, you know, basic email correspondence and data analysis, that's something that AI um, is getting good at. Customer service. So we kind of talked about that. Um, you know, like you said, if if you can talk to somebody on the phone and they have all the answers, you know, in the fraction of a second, they know all the company policies, you can ask it questions, it can respond, it can escalate issues when needed um, without having to deal with like a human who's had a bad day, right? Like who might be moody and monotone and not really want to talk to you or might not have an accent that's so heavy you can't understand it. It could get to a point pretty quickly where that may be preferable to working with a person. You know, I've, I've had my fair amount of frustration working with, with like automated systems and, and robots, you know, they're not good right now. <laughs> At least most of them are not good. But that said, I've also had a lot of really terrible experiences with people too. I try and be like, nice most of the time but patient when i'm on you know the phone with customer support for things but sometimes you can really sense that that person is you know this is their hundredth call of the day they are not happy to be there they don't want to help you you won't have that with a robot that doesn't feel any emotions anyway a couple more it talks about here specifically uh teachers finance even some types of engineering, HR, these are all types of jobs that could allow for some type of, of automation that AI is either already suited for or is rapidly gaining traction. in. Yeah, to add to that, you know, graphic designers, there's already a lot of big disruption there um, that's happening because of some of the tools that have been introduced. Media jobs, so you think of like advertising, content creation, journalism. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're already seeing a lot of disruption there. Finance jobs, you know, personal financial advisors, financial analysts, um, not, and you could even, you could even say accountants. All, all of these things, like, there's a clear path to how AI can come in and just replace so much of the workforce there. But then there's kind of a phase two, which has to do with once AI gets paired more with robotics. So a large portion of the workforce is, for example, people that drive trucks. And as we've all seen, there's been a lot of work on, you know, automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles, self-driving vehicles, whatever you call them. And, and they're making rapid advancements there. There are still things to get ironed out, but it's close. And, and there's some data at this point that's showing that oftentimes, you know, an, a, an autonomous vehicle is even safer than a human driven vehicle. And when you get to the point that all of these vehicles are able to talk to each other, you know, the car in front of you breaks and you can break without, uh, the liability of human lag time, uh, you know, your car can communicate with the traffic light and knows exactly when it's going to turn red. There are so many things that can happen as we get more advancements there, that that's just one example, right? Um, there are so many other, a lot, oftentimes people say AI is going to replace white collar jobs, which that does seem like the clearest path. Uh, but there are many blue collar jobs that once you combine them with robotics, that's where 
we'll see a lot of disruption there. Corey, you and I have been working on uh, helping. We're trying to build my house. I live with my in-laws. I have for the last couple of years trying to build a house. You and I have some construction experience, so we're trying to help each other out there. As we've been framing, we've talked about, man, we can't be that far from where you've got a machine that is able to read the plans, mark things out. Which that already exists, by the way. Yeah, we've seen that. <laughs> like it'll lay the floor plan out on the floor for you and everything. But if, you know, right now you need to have somebody there with a tape measure to check exactly what the measurement needs to be. But if you could have a machine that in real time is sending the measurements to this other machine that's cutting the lumber, you've got, you know, it's it's nailing the boards together and standing them up. Like that's just one example. And in almost any blue collar job, once you can combine AI with the robotics, uh, the, the actual mechanical process of doing the job, that opens up all these other opportunities. And like you said, this is a, you know, it's a phase two. It's going to be f further out than a lot of the, the white collar jobs that we talked about. Um, but that's where so you know, the, the, the blue collar workforce is where so much of the workforce lies. And to me, once those jobs start disappearing, there's nowhere else to go <laughs> at that point. Right. Um, you talk about truck drivers and, and a lot of people will say, well, we're just, we're still so far away from all the like logistics of, of maneuvering a truck through like a city street and, and getting it backed in and pulled into where it needs to go and being able to watch out for, pedestrians and dogs and unexpected events and and yeah there there is a lot of nuance there and that's why we don't have it yet right it's been worked on for a long time but i do think we're getting ever closer and Kellen, you and i have been talking about this and and the thought kind of came to my head like my mom works for the united states uh, postal service so she's a mail carrier and they do something for amazon that's called the last mile so basically amazon will deliver all of their packages um, from, from one, like the distribution center to the post, the local postal service. And then the postal service will deliver it the last mile for Amazon to the, to the doorsteps because Amazon doesn't have the logistics to do that. We have the technology already for a truck to drive on the freeway, right? Or the highway at a steady 60 miles per hour to be able to stay in its lane, to be able to brake if it needs and to know which exit to take, right? If, if that's all, like if suddenly you could take the drivers out of those trucks for every truck that's on the freeway and just use those drivers to drive the truck the last mile, right? The Once it gets off the freeway to drive it to the distribution center, like that would drastically, drastically reduce the number of truck drivers required on the road and quite honestly might increase safety, right? Decrease the number of wrecks or incidents. The reason I bring that up, it's just that like we, we tend to think so black and white about everything. Like either the technology has to be able to do all 100% of it perfectly or like it's not going to do any of it. And I don't think that that's true. I think that at some point we'll see a gradual, that gradual increase. The truck's just driving, you know, autonomously on the freeway until 
the technology is perfected in order to trust that they can drive in the city as well. But I think that those types of advancements, those types of developments will happen on a, a scale that's no, not in the next six months, not in the next two years. But in my in my mind, I don't see it taking more than another decade to get to a point where we're really seeing effects of this. And already, and I know driving is just one example that we, you know, but already there are certain places where you can call an Uber or, or I shouldn't say call. <laughs> you, you don't call anything anymore. You order an Uber on your phone. And it's an autonomous vehicle that'll take you, you know, within a certain range where you need to go. Which, by the way, there are 3.5 million truck drivers in the U.S. right now. That is that is a significant portion of the workforce just driving trucks. There's another 5 million that are gig workers, right? So Uber, Lyft, um, the food ones. DoorDash and, and stuff like that. Five million. So between those two alone, you got eight and a half million workers in those areas that, you know, like you said, we're just talking about, we like fixated on driving here for a minute, but it's just one of those things that like, it's a technology that's gotten so close and it is happening that, you know, there are places, cities that have allowed for, they've regulated the ability for these cars to be out on the streets driving. You can go out and, and, get in a self-driving Uber or whatever right now. And so it just, it feels like it is not that far off in just this one niche area that we're talking about affecting millions and millions of jobs. And I think what will happen in a lot of these industries, for example, we talked about customer service. I bet there are 3000 different little startups and tech companies that are trying to figure out, how to have really effective AI customer service. And, you know, like a handful of those will probably gain traction. And then there might be one that comes out as kind of the market leader. And suddenly, like, you know, they figured out the right price point. They figured out how to market it. And suddenly, tons of companies adopt it. So it's like we won't see much for a long time. And then all of a sudden customer service as like a, an industry will just get very disrupted. And then, you know, with, with autonomous driving, somebody's going to figure out how to do it just right. And then they'll figure out how to make it. So it's something you can just plug into an existing vehicle and then they'll figure out the right price point as all these other companies are trying to figure that out. But somebody will emerge as a market leader or a two or three. And all of a sudden it's going to be this technology that's there. And, and it, is scaled to the point where it has a major disruptive effect. Um, but we'll see that with one industry and then we'll see it with another and then we'll see it with another. It'll happen gradually in general, you know, but, but I think we'll see kind of this big stair step approach similar to what we talked about with collapse. Last thing that w I wish we had more time, we're out of time, but we haven't really talked <laughs> related to this, how this will, impact the economy at large and what that will do in regards to progressing or advancing collapse. How do governments respond when a huge portion of their workforce all of a sudden is out of a job, right? Is there some sort of UBI that, you know, or, or some sort of stimulus? What does that look like when there 
are all these people that are out of work. They don't have money to buy the things that are being produced by these companies that can now produce so much more efficiently. So all of a sudden, is it just a bunch of wealth that's being circulated at the top, right? There, there are so many things that Corey, you and I have had these conversations back and forth about when we haven't been recording that I'd love to capture on a later episode. But in addition to all of the ways that AI can have a drastic impact on collapse, just this one aspect of job loss and what that could do to the economy is a, is a huge one. So it deserves more conversation in the future. <laughs>